And welcome to episode 142 of Hearty Dice Friends. My name is Grant Howitt, and I'm joined as ever by my good friend, Christopher Edward Taylor. Going with a middle name, hello. I am getting fancy. I, did, I don't use any of my extra last names. <laughs> no, be because you fancy. immediately sound like landed gentry. Well, yeah. Uh, we couldn't come up with an intro for this week, so what no. I'm going to do is instead, Chris, ask you, how would you kill a panda bear using only the uh, devices in your room? In my room, in the room well, you're currently in, in the uh, that's kind of cheating. I'm gonna to have to narrow it down a little bit oh, to my living you, room because my yes, living room is also kitchen. my kitchen, which is full of knives. Um, yeah, that's, that's just I, what I, you know what I would do. Yeah. I have an airbrush behind me. Right, I'm gonna pop me a panda. Uh, can you get an airtight seal with enough duct tape? Got that here mm. too. Cool, great. Okay, how would you kill a panda using any of the items in your room? Guilt. <laughs> <laughs> Got a uh, y'all I've should got... fucking zoos. Y'all should fuck. Why aren't you fucking? Let me. You should fucking. I should watch. <laughs> I, I, I have. I have a full internet connection here. I have a a writer's mind, writer's hands, and dancer's legs, and I'm going to uh, start a blackmail. Uh, not blackmail. A, uh, a, a, a I'm going to blacklist this panda bear until it eventually it takes its own life. Just going to really put it on blast on social media. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cancel this panda. <laughs> this poor panda. What's it done? It, oh, it you, it knows what it did. <laughs> stupid bambooing stupid bastard. Fucking panda. Eat, eat a fucking apple or something or some. You, hey, you're cute, but you're not a real bear, are you? I, uh, you know what, I feel, I feel bad. I, I, I feel this is perhaps unnecessarily uh, violent and antagonistic stance to take to start the show. That's fair. But, but I was panicked, and my other option was my other option was how would you make love to a dragon? Okay, that we cover that regularly. Yeah, it's more on brand though. Mm. I feel I should point out that we also do have fifteen minutes recorded before this where we just talk about sandwiches. We talked a lot about sandwiches, <laughs> just at length about sandwiches. That is how mm-hmm. our morning starts. Just so, just so you all know about the the in depths of the game design process. It starts at six thirty when my cat sits on my chest and shouts at me. And then I spend a scant three hours staring directly upwards, when, waiting to die. Uh, and then I, I drink some coffee and do some work. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, good, so, pretty good life. So here we are. Yeah, it's okay. Not bad. Let's let's skip past the panda death bit. I've already done it. Let's move on past that. And let's talk about questions that people have sent in or that we stole from the internet okay should we start with a stolen one this is by the way this is a role-playing game advice podcast for those of you who don't (laughs) know it broadly uh, and also a role-playing game design podcast we uh, we are not please do not take our panda killing advice that is Uh, not the core message of hdf no, that's that. You know what? I'm we're over diversifying the brand, and I think mm. we're going to suffer for it. So yeah, the game design and advice stuff. Take that, follow that. Like absolutely. <laughs> Can you tell it's been a weird couple of days for us, and we've gone a bit mad? Wait a few days. Let's go. Question. Maurice J asks, Ooh. "How to reveal next plot locations?" I copied this one over. 
because uh, Maurice J is like, how could I, uh, how could I reveal where the next part of the game is without just leaving a map? Mm-hmm. And the thought of making a map and leaving it for the players is a level of devotion <laughs> and time that I cannot envisage. It's about like, 40% I, more give a fuck than I've ever had. Like, I can, I can imagine making my own map or drawing one with the players, mm. but drawing one for the players to look at. Yes, that's a lot. Just, just imagine having that kind of GM. Like, I can imagine doing that level of prep and, like, you know, tea-staining paper to make ancient-looking paper and burn the edges and that sort of uh, stuff. For for a one-shot event one. Or if someone was paying me. Yeah, but, like, you know, um, somebody's birthday. Oh, oh, uh, what if what if we were younger and you fancied one of the players? Oh, then absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, just day-to-day, no. Yeah, absolutely not, no. Like your weekly game, you, who's got that kind of time? No, well, us. <laughs> Um, I wish you were wrong. We could cut into that three hours of staring directly upwards time. Yeah, that's, that's, that is that is prime doing stuff real estate. Mm-hmm. I think that this, so you could you could uh, you could just do a map. That's obviously a lot of time. You could have an NPC blunder up and be like, "Oh, oh thank heavens you're here! I've just discovered where the thing is." <laughs> I, I'm always a fan of that NPC immediately dying. <laughs> Like, oh, like like an arrow. Like like an arrow, like like they're already dying when they get to you and they just go mm-hmm. the mill and then fall over dead. It's like, hang on, this man's eaten four wine glasses. <laughs> this man has swallowed thirty-eight poison darts. <laughs> just can't get enough of them. <laughs> they're in the mill. Very delicious. Uh, I think so the, the the way I generally try and do anything in a game is to hold the idea loosely in my head, and then whatever the players do, just sort of strong-arm it into there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking all along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like holding it loosely, uh, in, in much in the same way that you would hold a judo opponent, opponent loosely. <laughs> <laughs> then you use, you use the idea's own momentum against it to throw it headlong into the plot. I used to do judo. Did you? I was taught by a three-fingered man. Did, sorry, do you mean... Eight fingered or three fingered? Three fingered man. Oh, so like like a birth defect or something? Nope, machine wow. defect. A what? Sorry, a, a machine, machine defect. defect. He used to work in a metal factory. He was one of my mother's friends. And there was an, okay. And you can almost hear the air quotes. Workplace accident. I I'm very impressed that like you would get a job which involved so much gripping. Yeah, no, dude was strong. Well, like, yeah. you, you, know, you know when somebody's like blind and they can hear you a mile away, right? Right. The power of each finger will get redistributed to their remaining fingers. <laughs> so this dude, this, this dude was amazing. Like he was five foot five. Like he wasn't. He was You, you could have. You could have swallowed him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on his left hand, he had his pointer finger. Mm-hmm. And on the right, he had pointer and pinky. Mm. And this dude could throw you. Just, like, pick you up and throw you. How? It, it was weird. He was amazing. I guess you still got some grip in your hand. This isn't very good. This isn't very interesting podcast content, I suppose. But, yeah, um, that's 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 pretty cool. Uh, but, what? <laughs> Sorry, I got really distracted okay, about yeah. my youth in judo. There. Yeah. Um, did you learn any anything important? I learned how to do judo. Yeah? Name a judo move. I don't know, throwing people? Whoa. <laughs> they, they have, like, You're names the I truth. can't pronounce. And mm. I was young. 
It's like 12. Alright, so the idea goes that the plot, the adventure is in, say, I don't know, a giant wasp's nest. Gross. You Continue. know the adventure, right, disgusting. You know the adventure is in the giant wasp's nest. Mm-hmm. Um, all you have to do is wait for the opportunity to perhaps, for, for someone else to know. Or for there to be <laughs> a big wasp who's hovering off towards the wasp nest. And also, if you've not told anybody that the, the wasp nest is west of the mill, mm-hmm. and they go, well, we're going to the mountains in the north. Well, looks like we've got some chilly wasps now. Hang on a sec, those aren't mountains. That's a giant wasp's nest, exactly. but it's, it's closer than I thought it was. And honestly, like, the 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 older I've gotten, mm-hmm. and the, the the more I've lent into the, the zero prep lifestyle. You were already pretty into it when you were a younger man. Yes, but now, like, now we do that for a living. That's true. Yeah, we you write know, games like, designed to, yeah. The more I'm just quite happy to go, these are the five locations in the game. Mm. Off you go. Hey. I I had a tweet that went viral recently about that. Don't know whether you saw. La dee da, la dee da. Yeah, the idea is uh, here's here's a fun here's a fun idea for you listener. If for some reason you listen to this show but don't know don't follow my Twitter, uh, core idea is you write down all the locations on little tents of paper, and then all the all the NPCs and other interesting things on little like index cards or note or post-it notes or whatever. Put them in front of you, and that's the whole game. Yeah, we did that at uh, the Stratagemma convention. Yeah. So you just you display everything that's that's possible or you everything you thought put of. Your cards on the table. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have like something hidden, you can put you can slide it underneath the the little tent. Oh, how crazy! So you can hide it. Mm. So when the player goes, you're like, ah, <laughs> dogs <laughs> hidden in kennel. Whoa! But yeah, like it it shouldn't be difficult to reveal next plot locations because. Players are always looking for the next thing. They are always excited, but they do like to have a bit. They, they like to. They like. They want you to treat them right. <laughs> no, you know? this, is, this is true. But like, they get a bit uncomfortable if you just say what's going on. The, but players are generally fairly short attention span. Oh yeah, like a player is not going to want to do forty minutes in one scene. You have to be more exciting than Netflix. Exactly, and they're gonna they're gonna be pushing to go places. Yeah. So it's it's fairly easy, like, when they're talking to an NPC. Half the time they're going, have, have you got any quests for us? Mm. Essentially. Even, even with, if With more roundabout it. dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a player will always tell you what they want mm. by dint of their actions and mm-hmm. who and what they want to interact with. And it just kind of falls out of that. <laughs> it just sort of slops out the bottom of that. Yeah, it's like somebody cut a carrier bag open. It's it's pretty straightforward uh, once you once you learn the trick of, of listening to players mm. um, and maybe like understanding. But it's also like 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 saying, "Hey, by the way, the plot's over here. How do you think we? How do you think your characters find out?" But that's that's like an advanced lazy GMing <laughs> where you get the players lazy. to do it. <laughs> like while you're on the bus going to the session, you just into a group. Group DM just go. Mm. So I want you all in some mountains. How were you there? And then they have to tell you when you get there. Like we joke, not a terrible plan. No. Like because well, there's always that there's that bit of role playing games where it's like uh, so 
we've been commissioning scenarios for Spire. Mm-hmm. And one of the interesting things which we've had to sort of cut out of a couple is it's a it's a, it's a one shot scenario, and there'll be like a third of the a third of the of the adventure is dedicated to getting in place to do the adventure. Yes, it's like doesn't matter. They're gonna go there. That's where the adventure is. So just just skip to that bit and like okay, why are you here? Yeah, and it it, it changed all of these like like thousand word sections. Mm into get the players to tell you how they are now crouched in the rafters in a warehouse above a drug deal. Mm. Perfect. And that just that just shortcuts that. that entire section for you and you get to the good bit. You get on the dope ass Disney train and go to the fun bit of the game. I think like starting it in, in media res in media res like that. Not like starting in a not starting in a fight because that puts players on the back foot and makes them feel quite defensive. Mm-hmm. But starting them like you're just about to ambush someone. How did you get here? Yes. Alright, cool. You've got to presume whoever are ambushing deserves the ambush. <laughs> I mean, you could even you could even just like go one step further. You're currently holding the throat of a guard. <laughs> what do you do? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> You're getting triple married. <laughs> I think there are, there are perhaps liberties you can take with this. <laughs> one of them is future you, <laughs> and one of them is evil you. <laughs> <laughs> However, future you's gr- also grown a goatee, so you can't tell them apart. Oh no! He does look great. I mean, he looks good because he's me. Do you want a question? I'd love one. I think you'd look quite good with a goatee. I don't think that's true. Let me scroll past these pictures of sandwiches that are underneath the questions. <laughs> I'm being very careful to not look at the pictures of sandwiches that are right next to the questions. Yes. Fans writes in. 132 people have turned up for your con game. How are you going to Takeshi's Castle this group down to a more manageable five? So, so, it's musical chairs. Mm-hmm. Like you have the, you have exactly the amount of chairs, and you put some uh, the, 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 the of the players you need, and you put some some you know children's birthday music on, mm-hmm. and sync or the like. <laughs> you know the spiced girls, <laughs> those ones. You know the like. Um, and you get Banana everybody. Rama. Mm-hmm. You get everybody to put their con badges in the middle right. of the table, and mm-hmm. then dance around the chairs. Right. Okay. Now, at the completion of the song, or or when you stop the music early, see, there's the mm-hmm. trick of the game. Uh-huh. They have to sit down, and anybody who gets a chair gets to play. Now, the reason for the con badges there is because you then destroy the con badges of everybody who didn't sit down and tell them to leave. Okay, so I guess that does very much sort it out. Now, they're not allowed in any games. They should have been faster. They should have been better at chairs games. Can I put forward... Can I yes and your your, your solution? No, of course you can. Fuck! <laughs> rather, than putting them yes all, rather than putting them all on the uh, on a table, you put them all in a, in a, in like a fruit bowl. Mm-hmm. You pick out five, they get to play in a game, and they just have casual sex if they like. That works. That works. I don't... I don't know why, but when you said put them in a fruit bowl, my my brain, which as previously stated, is somewhat broken at the moment. Fucky. Yeah, that's a good description. Just mm. went and take them to the local skate park. Now, whoever can successfully do the half pipe is allowed their <laughs> is allowed their combadge back and into the game. So, 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 do they have to? Do they have to hold the bowl of passes while they do the half pipe? I don't know. I don't know why it just went mm. ah fruit bowl. Yeah, skate parks. That's next. Well, they have the sort of half scoop things. <laughs> there's you can nothing, go there's no link there, Cron. No, not really. Um, so you could have a who can roll highest on a d twenty. 
contest. Yes. And that's that's kind of dice themed rather than skateboard or casual sex. So that's kind of more you it's know, more on in, brand in for play. a convention. Yeah. And so you've got that capacity. You've also got things like I I some sort of contest, but like you get everyone to write down a character name and then you pick up the, the six best character names. Oh shit, that's amazing. Because, I, I actually think that is quite interesting. Because what you're doing, you're vetting the players. Because mm. I believe that if you can come up with a good name on the spur of the moment, you're probably going to be quite funny or at least good at role-playing. I like that. Because we can't. It takes us hours. <laughs> names, are, names are so difficult. But like, you just get them to write it on, their, on, on a T-shirt that they're wearing. Okay. Just so that you can you can identify them really quickly mm-hmm. and just go, ah, Scaramanga full pipe. Mm-hmm. Which isn't so actually like, bad. I'm so still like, in that skate park. Um, yeah. That's a great Scaramanga. <laughs> Scaramanga full pipe. <laughs> in the game. Boisterous and- twang. Bob, you called your cat, get out. You know? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, precisely. And so people who are like, oh, I'm. I-. If people who are the wrong kind of funny try, you can kick them out. <laughs> Because we know there's a right kind of funny and a wrong kind of don't funny, don't we? Funny. No. Uh, oh, I, I, I'm I'm Captain Big Dong. All right, <laughs> see you around. You know what? I'm going to put you in the maybe pile. I, know, I really like the idea that the Captain Big Dong just has like a flavor flav clock, like a grandfather clock, and it, and it goes dong, and it goes dong. Ah, he's got an average sized dick. His t-shirt also <laughs> yeah, says it's just that. Like, it's just like a normal human penis. It's fine. <laughs> Actually, I'm a lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> you lie. I think there's something fun about having that sort of creativity thing. So, like, like you go through, and then you're like, you, 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 and then you get together about twenty, mm. and then you get the rest of them to vote. However, one lucky person who votes will be will be bought into the game. Mm. Because otherwise, once I'd been told my name wasn't interesting enough to let me hang out with Grant, um, <laughs> I, I'd probably leave and go get a beer. That's fair. So we we we, ha- we have to keep the rubes or, invested. Ideally, there's there's two games running simultaneously, mm-hmm. um, and you just pick them like teams on football. You get them all to line up. Oh, oh, god, shudder! <laughs> that is that is, I think, one of the worst parts of being a child. Yes, absolutely. Is being picked for teams in football. Because, like, they never picked Team Warhammer, did they, Chris? They did not, Grant, because there was there was only two or three people that played. We, we had seven. We never... Wow. They never picked teams for writing. No. They never, t- they never picked teams for saying nice things about your friends. <laughs> Bastards. They picked teams when social um, climbing is important. They picked teams when physical attributes are important as well. That is and like incorrect, Grant. I was very tall. I, I was also quite tall. My main role in football, was only, we only really ever played football at school. We didn't have, I don't know what you did at your posh uh, country schools, like horse killing or what have you. But Rounders and stall ball. Stall ball? Yeah. What the fuck is stall ball? That's make-up sports. <laughs> it's, not, it's not made up. It's got like a... Imagine, imagine Rounders... Right. And cricket uh-huh. had a baby with all Baseball. of the equipment that you could make at B and Q. So like that you you've got it still baseball. Behind each behind each each bats person you've got a stick in the ground. Right. Which has like a two foot square piece of wood what? on the top of it. Like a like a sign? Like a like a like a road sign, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have um, to hit the And that's what you have to hit rather than the rather than the stumps. Mm. Um and it's in a it's in a slightly different shape. Field. Okay, because Rounders doesn't have like a target to hit, does it? That was no, 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 no. Yeah, no. That's that's Rounders is a standard three strikes you're out business. 
Mm-hmm. But you did you did get a one-handed club, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and there was polo, mm-hmm. minor polo. Mm-hmm. I think that's about it. There's water polo, fire polo, <laughs> earth polo, earth polo, which is which is just normal polo. This and, is just um, available in newsagents. Air hockey. Uh, yeah, this, this this came up on Hockey Night's Friends. There was there was air hockey, water uh, air hockey, earth hockey, uh, water hockey, which is water polo, and fire hockey, <laughs> which must exist. And in Japan, metal hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a gun. <laughs> start fi- start firing up. If you fire above most people's heads, they'll leave. <laughs> it's only the true, the true stalwart fans that will stay yeah. in. So I'm, I'm yeah. going to get away from this point where you, you honestly, you fire a gun in a crowded convention center. Above the heads. I, yeah, all right. What is still it? Still within the building. And we're going to go mm-hmm. to a different question. All right. Devilfish101 asks, any tips for staying motivated once you've read past the third page of the setting section of a game? Marijuana. <laughs> Drinking heavily. You need to chemically retard yourself this to get through a lot of stuff. generally in response to things like incredibly detailed histories and timelines. World of Darkness. And things like that. These intricate, like, meta-plot games. Mm-hmm. And honestly, don't read that bit. No. You, you probably don't need the first five pages of any setting. No. Well, no. You, re- you read the, like... Welcome to the world of Kilimanjaro. That's a real thing. I honestly yeah. made that up as a fantasy name. That's a real thing. Well, it's foreign. It is. Welcome um, to the world of Razal Hunut. Ooh, that's good. It's a spice mix, but go on. No, but it's still good. Right? You read that, you read that like vague overview mm-hmm. paragraph, and mm-hmm. then you just flick through until you find a picture you like and read yeah. from there. And if that bit's boring, find another picture. I'm going to uh, take Chris's suggestion and make it even easier. Don't bother with the reading bit. <laughs> Just look at the pictures. Just look at the pictures. Like, they'll, they'll tell you. And like, okay, each picture, how many words? Thousand. Thousand words. Just think of the time you're saving by looking at a picture rather than slogging through some words that some idiot wrote. <laughs> All you do, look at the picture and go, yeah, okay, that looks roughly like that. And interpret it. Death of the author, mate. Yeah? You, Just... you need to back off with this death. Absolutely not. I'm making it a thing. It's going to be a thing. Okay. But so in heart, which we're releasing uh, pretty soon, actually releasing in a couple of months, aren't we? Yeah. We've got a box out at the start of the setting chapter, which is, uh, or yeah, it's the start of the setting chapter, which which is like it's about two hundred words, and it's if your players really don't give a shit, or if conversely you don't give a shit about the setting, here's what you need to know. Yeah. Just read this and make the rest up. And we've got and we've got a mechanic, you know, we've got mechanics which support that. I think the challenge comes from if you know more than the GM, because if the GMs just make it up as they go along around, yeah. say, a set of core ideas, a set of core truths about the world, then you're fine to roll with that. And if you have narrative authority as well, you can sort of plug things in and try and make informed choices. But don't bother. No, like, I... If you're bored reading a thing, don't read it. You're not getting paid I for have it. Real problems with the with the sort of player who not only reads all of the law mm-hmm. but takes it as gospel mm. and corrects the GM on things. Like, don't do that. It's not worth it. No. Um, Someone and like I've I've run into this with uh, games set in historical time periods as well, mm-hmm. and in in very bizarre situations. Like most people I know aren't like incredibly good at history. They can't remember all the dates and everything. No. And then one time I was in a game with somebody and they corrected me because I'd mentioned the name of a plane that was invented two years later than I'd set the game in. 
That's, oh, uh, that's great. All right, it's a blue plane. Okay, you it die. It doesn't matter. I hate you. I don't. <laughs> no, that's 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 terrible, and that's and that's the problem. Like if you if you start treating setting as a um, oh, that's why I don't run games in historical settings. Sure. Uh, it's because I cannot remember the order of things occurring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the names true. of things probably be all that marijuana I smoke to get through uh, source books <laughs> to get through these first three hours of the day I just I just <laughs> I feel I feel like there is a responsibility on the part of on the part of writers to make setting snacky and, and exciting and to have it as here is a hook to tell your own stories mm-hmm. and so many books don't do that so many yeah. books have it as this huge monolithic thing the more of it there is the less it's going to change the less impact the players can make on it please don't write it in first person ever yeah you got you got to be super careful like I can't I can't pass first person setting descriptions yeah like try not to write it in character like, I I get Get that that's potentially a more interesting read like like a book is a is a good read you know but if i'm mm. trying to gain information from that mm. and ideas my brain just can't process it what's well, the difference between a uh, like a lonely planet guidebook and travel writing yes like i wouldn't crack open uh, a bill bryson novel if i was visiting a city that he visited and i needed to, i needed to find a restaurant yes precisely yeah. and what you're writing is lonely planet guides to imaginary worlds yeah very true I, yeah i we're, we're we're against setting i think in games we, we try to avoid it wherever <laughs> no. possible no, we're not against setting. We're, we're we're for we're heavily for tone. Yeah, vibe. Yeah, and like setting up how a game is intended. I was about to say should, but is intended to feel, mm. and then just throwing so many plot hooks at you that you need to go to hospital. Mm-hmm. I I think we're in agreement on this. Yeah, I, I think, think we are. We're, we're, uh, Nick, don't worry about it. It's fine. Hello, listener. I don't know how Chris edited this one, but we took a little break. We did. Uh, and by little break, I mean we stopped recording for two days. Yeah, sorry. Uh, it's Christopher's traitorous shambling corpse that he calls a body, human form uh, turned on him, and he had to go and have a lie down for two days. <laughs> Got to have a little sleep for two days. But we're back. We're back now, and this is the second part of the podcast. We're going to run the jingle now, and then we're going to get into the show. Yeah. Uh, jingle. Did you ever want a game to exist? But not enough to. Ursidice writes in, Ham-fisted, a game of meaty punches and awkward social situations. <laughs> so, I, I don't know why, but this it's reminded me of, a, of the new Daniel Radcliffe film where he gets two guns. Guns akimbo. Guns akimbo, that's it, surgically attached to his hands. Which mm. is, first off, best premise for a film. Strong premise for a film. Um, and instead of guns in this situation, I think the, the characters have... <laughs> Have been surgically attached to two priceless Iberico hams. They've been sutured. Yeah, to a, to, to Iberico hams, um, and there are. They still of... have the hands inside, right? They're Obviously, not, they're not like no, no, they're not being okay, removed. Yeah, yeah. They're not monsters. Yeah, yeah. Right, um, okay. And several ham smuggling cartels, right, want their hams back. Mm, okay, I really like the antagonists of being of being these quite sexy Iberico ham smugglers. Yeah, I'm thinking like proper. Proper sexy Spanish look, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, like doesn't know what the buttons on his shirt do. Yes, yes. Somebody yeah. else has done up one of them for him. Yeah, and then I kill him. It was beautiful. I, I am looking for my ham. <laughs> it seems strange that you come here to my bar and never reveal your hands, always keeping them behind the table or bar. <laughs> always with 
a huge overcoat over each one. Tell me, when I kissed you, would I test my hams? <laughs> <laughs> Only if you kiss my ham hands. <laughs> Not that um, I've got ham hands. So, so it's a so it's it's an erotic visual novel. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. Choose your own ham, uh, where um, where you play uh, you play a young um, <laughs> young underclassman who's transferred to a new school. <laughs> uh, where you, uh, you play a young Daniel Radcliffe mm-hmm. on the set of his new film, whatever that might ha- be now. Ham, ham's Akimbo. No, 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 no. Okay, like the right, next okay. film he's doing, probably something very okay. worthy, where he gets his cock out again. Mm-hmm. Um, Horse cock. Wasn't that, wasn't that what it was called? That was, that's exactly what it was called, but yeah, that was, that was, so, yeah. I think that was a stage show. Yeah. So cool. you had to see the dick live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but during that, somebody has attached the hams. So the awkwardness <laughs> comes because he's got to try and hide the fact that he's got enormous Iberico hams for each hand on the plot of, I'm, I'm going to put like some sort of French revolutionary drama. I like I like it if he was playing a famous Jew. <laughs> Possibly. And like, I get, probably quite tricky to... Probably quite tricky to, to to make that happen in any way. I think there should be a full VR game. Okay. And I tell you for why, because nothing has hand control in terms of like relative positioning, like VR. That's that's very true. And also in VR, like you've got the the ability to do individual fingers. Mm-hmm. And we although can, we although can steal ironically, that from Daniel you. won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can ruin that aspect of VR very quickly. I guess you can just sort of mush about in the hand. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you don't need, you don't need very, you probably just do it with like PlayStation. We probably do it with the fucking Wii. <laughs> at that point. But you, um, so, so basically, it's, it's, it's like just dance, mm-hmm. except instead of dancing to, say, Avril Lavigne or what have you, um, you're, you're acting in a play, um, and they'll, then like, it, like, it will be a series of challenges where you have to make sure that your giant ham hands are behind certain parts of, um, of say stage, oh that's perfect. Stage setting and people, and then if you push the Y button, and it's a special power. Uh, you enter critic mode, where you get to see through the eyes of the critic in the third row, and you can see if you're hiding your shit properly. <laughs> yeah, so you, like the view you see is, is is kind of like that Just Dance thing, where there's a central character in the middle of the screen. Okay, I, I figured it was first person, but okay, just just to make it a bit easier to actually play. I suppose. Um, and you combine that with, with a game like Sing It, but you have to say the lines of the of the play as it goes along. And your character your character never moves, but the other right. characters in the play and the scenery, like you know, a, a wooden tree gets wheeled on and off. Right. Yeah. And you've got to whatever's happening, you've got to always try and keep your hands in a position that are concealed. So as somebody walks past, you can use them to sort of get to Get 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 your hand behind a window or a sofa. I like. I, I also also like the idea that you've got a uh, like. This is this is opening night of the play, and there, there's a live ticker at the bottom of of, of critic critics reviews coming in. Mm-hmm. It'd be like Radcliffe has his hands behind his back too much. What's he hiding? Oh, fuck. <laughs> and you've got like like um, superpowers. You fill up a meter. Okay. Um, and, oh, M E A T R. Yeah. And then when the when the, when the meter's full, you can like cause the next scene to definitely have a table full of ham in it <laughs> so that you can just camouflage your ham hands in the middle and just like rest of the table like so because you must be so tired they're not small hams they're big hams they're huge you can, you can look like a troll in lord of the rings which which way are, are you are you connected via the fat end or are you sort of plugged into the skinny end i was thinking skinny both end. is funny 
Um, okay. Almost purely for like the feasibility of attachment. I think it'd be very difficult to attach yourself easily to the uh, to the fat end. I, I, I think I, I think the inverse because like you've got a bone at the skinny end, right? Yeah, what I'm saying is, is you replace that bone with hands. Uh, I was thinking we cut a hole in the fat end and just stick your hand in and then suture it on. Ah, uh, no, no. I'm I'm thinking like so that the hand comes about four or five inches down the down the wrist, right? And and it's and it's and it's like it's it's sewed on rather than pushed in. Yeah. To the ham. I see. Okay. Oh, oh, uh, that... To continue the Guns Akimbo version, it's just got these big nails, just bolted through. Like, have you seen? Have you seen how his hands are attached in that film? Yes, it looks very unpleasant. It does not look comfy. No, I, that reminds me of the monsters from Silent Hill Three, who have the big ham hands. Oh yeah. But maybe they're not ham in that. I don't know. I didn't play it very much. They were bandaged up, so they could have been ham. Maybe Radcliffe is doing the stage show of Silent ah, Hill Three. Okay. Which I assume is a thing. It's a musical. It's very avant-garde. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing scarier than the prospect of being trapped in a musical for two and a half hours and no intermission. <laughs> this is this this is a charming game. I, lo- I, I love I, I love the just dance idea of it. I love the summoning tables of hams, and I think that or perhaps maybe there's a pig arrives with no legs and you get to swim from places with <laughs> wet legs for a while. Uh, but I worry there's not really this. This isn't gonna. This isn't gonna revitalize our flagging finances. Okay. So what have you got? So in a more in a more traditional role playing game, tabletop style game, mm-hmm. JP has suggested an OSR style polearm fighters versus eighties neon dungeons in Vaporglaive. That's a very sexy word, JP's put forward. It's, though. it's incredibly strong. It's one of the. I think it's. I think it's in the top one hundred in the English language. Mm. Uh, there was a, there was a review on YouTube recently, and Vaporglaive was up there. I'm intrigued to see where you take this already pristine idea. <laughs> well, mainly, I think that pole arms in role playing games need some love. They do, don't they? Because they're inherently cool weapons. Like if you watch any <laughs> any martial arts film in oh, the yeah, sort for, of House of Flying yeah, Daggers, pole arms, yeah, they're fine. Then the pole arm is seen as this wonderful weapon. There's like beautiful swirling motions. However, if you look at anything English with mm. that, it is relegated to the fat and or idiot guard outside of the important bit. How else are you gonna kill a horse? <laughs> no, but I mean like it's it, it's for crossing in front of a door. Right. Like, that's okay, what pole yeah. arms are for in, in, in English myth. Mm. I'm sure there's some I, important I think ones, like the but... you, you like you set them in in, in time to like to receive charges don't you they're quite good at defense yeah yeah design. i mean like spears and whatnot have always been yeah. the, the purview of the poor apparently fun thing about spears is they're too heavy i learned this they're like they're excellent weapons and, and honestly like pound for pound better than the sword mm-hmm. but they're, they're a bugger to carry around and you can't break them down we didn't like we didn't invent screws until about say 150 years ago so you couldn't have a screw together pole arm which worked well right yeah especially if you've so, got like a, a what's it a beck de corbin de guisarm halberd you know you know mm-hmm. one of those things with the big metal curlicues on the end that look like a set of french curves for a draftsman one of your lucky dip pole arms yeah it's just mm. got it's got angles it's just comprised of angles mm. and steel and that's like ten kilos on the end of a on the end of an eight foot stick. I'm just going to type in glaive real quick and see what I get. Glaive is a sword, apparently, uh, which is false. A glaive is a European pole arm consisting of a single edged blade on the end of a pole. It is similar to the Japanese naganata, the Chinese guandao and pudao, the Korean waldo, and some other ones. Cool, sorry, uh, the Korean waldo. The Korean waldo. 
Literally, Moonblade. Much cooler. Should have stuck with that, dudes. Yeah. Waldo is um, is someone you have to find. Mm. So... Glaives are pretty cool. Mm. You can get you can get a lot of force behind them. You've got lots of cool stances. However, they are not an adventurer's weapon. They're too heavy. Adventurer's weapon is a sword because mm. you can carry it around. But it's time to change that. Now, the the, the way I'm going to do this is is going to involve some explanation. I'm afraid. Well, that a, is the that's the no, point of the podcast. It's a fairly it's a fairly complex thing here okay should i do something else or <laughs> yeah you should you should go <laughs> all right um so back in the depths of history there was probably the finest pc game ever made which was called armageddon and armageddon was a up to 32 player multiplayer version of tron light cycles yes and it was excellent wasn't it half-life one mod or something the original the original mm-hmm. was yeah yeah, I remember, because you showed me at university, I remember, yeah, Yeah, and it was a stunning game, because it had things like, if you managed to just get almost onto the same line, you could actually, like, grind the wall slightly, and it would speed you up. Very clever game. Yeah, okay. So, what I'm thinking is that the pole arms themselves do zero damage. However, what they do is they leave, like, soul-caliber-level trails of neon oh. that are permanent. So, okay. while you're fighting, you, you can you can literally make a shield by spinning the pole arm. And you make a circle in the air, and it stays there. And people can hit it with their weapons. That's interesting. So it's about trying to box somebody in whilst moving yourself. I think you should have it as 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 a meter. Um, so so you, so you you have you have you have um, your health bar and your vapor glove bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you when you push down vapor glove, you're like. And it starts it starts glowing in whatever cool neon colour you've got. Right, but the rest of the time you're stabbing and slashing and whatnot. Or you're stab- or you're just carrying it around. Yeah. But like at that point you can like swipe it across to to cut off a corridor or something. Yeah. I I would like to make this PvE. I mean that's fair. And I'll tell you for why. Uh, I hate PvP because it makes because it makes me feel small and <laughs> and I want to feel like a rad motherfucker when I'm playing Vapor Glove. Because you're a coward who plays games offline. Yeah, I'm an I'm an I'm an offline coward, and that's fine. Look, I'm I'm just I'm not very good at game, and that's and that's fine. You are uniquely skilled at games, Grant. There are what, what alarmingly the there are alarmingly few people I would watch for ten hours play a game, mm-hmm. but I will I will happily watch you play a game for ten hours because it is relentlessly funny, and you can guarantee there's going to be a second session because you will not finish it. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I suck, but in an interesting way. Yeah, right. Like, there's a reason that 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 you got named the king of no buttons by you, by me, um, mm-hmm. because you you play a game and you know exactly what you want to do, and you know that the game can do it, mm-hmm. and then you just hit the wrong button on the controller and do something twenty times more hilarious. But completely like kill yourself doing it. Well, it's like it's 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 like that time in two thousand and uh, about two thousand and six when there was a memo that um, right trigger is accelerate, not A anymore. Yes, and A was jump on top of car. <laughs> Thanks, just cause. Thanks, just cause. Which is which which cost me I think more than one death. Anyway, listen, I'm not very good at game, and I think that having like I've got my cool vapor glow for it, and I'm fighting like some some cyberpunk chumbos, mm-hmm. some chumbas. Whatever, it is, whatever the fuck they call them in Shadowrun, <laughs> Maryland's goblins. Yeah, yeah, Mar- Maryland's gob. You know, um, 
razor blade homunculi, that sort of thing. They're all they're all sort of coming towards me, and they like, hey buddy, hey, hey, you got a cigarette for me? I don't know why they don't know why they got racist Spanish accents. I'm, I'm going to take that one again. Just quickly though, yeah. I have just thought of the fact that you can now have like essentially step in razor witches. Yeah, see, like you take you take Molly Millions, the quintessential yeah. cyberpunk character. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Ghost in the Shells. I don't care. Molly Millions is where it's at. Yeah. And you have vaporwave claws. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the what was the game? Go on. Which game was it? Which game am I thinking of? Remind me. Uh, it's the uh, it was that train racing game for the PS2. Okay, that's just, that was an amazing game, but not the game I'm thinking of. Bullet Infamous, Witch. the neon woman from Infamous Two. Oh yeah, and the yeah, spin-off? Infamous Two, Second Son. Yes. Yeah. You have her, but like it's it's razor claws in the underneath your fingernails, mm. and it's incredibly like like monofilament lines. Mm. Oh. There's lots of there's lots of cool ideas we can get. Like the the the, the more I talk about it, the more I think it, it should be maybe a Diablo clone. There's kind of that, but also I what I'm seeing is uh, for honor. Oh fuck yeah! All right, yeah. I'm I seeing like. I mean, it can be that can be PVE or PVP. I'm not. I'm not pushing it in a PVP direction, though. I'm, I mean, can I I'm going to need like, PVP, like, uh, like, like, like dueling samurai from Snow Crash. Yes. Yeah. Right. You have these like larger than normal environments. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, this would also work interestingly in a tabletop game. Okay. Well, as that is what we produce. That, yeah. But when I say tabletop game, you notice I didn't say RPG. Okay. I'm thinking more like board game sort of thing with RPG elements, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if you take it like fourth edition, where you've got at will encounter daily that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. um, what you instead have instead of powers is shaped templates. Right. Okay. And you and you can lay X amount of these templates per combat, mm-hmm. and you have to lay them in the right order. Like I'm not explaining this right, but you've got like like a flamer template from D and D. Yeah, yeah. A D D Warhammer. Yeah. Um, where you put it on the table and you look what's underneath that, and that's how you work out who's been hit. But you have like S shapes, and that's the, mm-hmm. that's where the wall is. There's now a block there. Mm. I mean, obviously, it would work a lot easier and a lot more visually stunning as a as a video game. But I think mm. that could make quite an interesting game. Especially like like about controlling the battlefield. Yeah, I'd like to like to offer an alternative and possibly cheaper solution. Okay, for Vaporclave, which is um, chess, but one of your pieces is a Beyblade. <laughs> <laughs> when do when do you activate the Beyblade? That's up to you, my friend. Oh, okay, so it, it's not like you take out one of the pawns, spin the Beyblade up, and pop it in, and then you begin no, the no, no. fight. Match. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes. No. 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 Um. Uh. The Beyblade is there, sitting ominously by the side of the uh, of the board, and you can at any point on your on your go just rip it, I fire mean, that in. Have you ever actually used a Beyblade yourself? No. I've, I've seen one used, but I've never actually um, used one because because it, it would like you need to get walls on the chess board. Yes. Yes. Because what happens when you when you put one Beyblade down mm-hmm. is nothing. It, it needs a friend. It literally just sits still. It's a gyroscope. Okay. Um, but when it touches anything, like, like especially a chess piece. as like a chess piece, but mm-hmm. especially a Beyblade spinning in the opposite direction, well, mm. same direction, but you know what I mean. I don't um, it freaks out. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen is, no matter what you do when you put down the Beyblade the first time, nothing's going to happen. Mm. 
But when the other person puts down their Beyblade, everybody loses. That's fine with me. I as it just it just cuts straight through everything on the chessboard, and I think that that's a straight upgrade to chess, which is a bad mm-hmm. game. It is. It is. It is a bad, boring game. Mm. I hate mm. chess you, so much. I I can't decide whether I hate chess or whether I'm really not good at it, or both. Um, for me, it's both because mm. chess reco- chess is a tactical game. It is a miniature war game. Mm. Like it is a perfect rendition of that, mm-hmm. and. I don't have a tactical brain at all. No, not at all. I want to tell a nice story, please. I mean, I, what I want to do is to get all my all, all my little pieces over over their end, so I can take their castle. Mm. But if they're they're playing like to get checkmate or win or something. Well, I'm more. And that's unfair. Two of my pawns are having a kiss, and the bishop's like. Mm. <laughs> or pawn and a bishop. <gasps> and you've got and you've got a Sundere rook, right? There we go. Hang on. Bring us back to the visual novel. Chess, the visual novel. They've done like World War Two and shit. What about chess? That's true. You could do chess quite happily. You could do chess quite. Yeah, you've got you've got everyone. You've you've, you've got the knights who are the jocks. You've got the king and queen who are the upper classmen. <laughs> the upper classmen. I love that. Yeah, you've got. I think I think that that's the phrase that they use. Absolutely. And you've got a. Um, I've, 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 I couldn't think of, it, of another chess piece. I think I've named all of them, unfortunately. Because I, so, I wanted, to, I wanted to show off that I, used, I knew the word yandere. Square boys on the on the outside. That's a rook. Horsey men. Knights. Uh, nipple hats. Mm-hmm. I, no one knows what they're called. Um, the his and hers chess pieces in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then and then the uh, fodder, sort of the the cruft. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's everything. Yeah, it's a show. We, we get, get some more pieces. I mean, I think just like five more pieces, and you can choose where to deploy them. Here's an idea for you, too, for you, for you Chris. Mm-hmm. Chess 2 Revengeance. Okay. Punch it up. What have you what, got for me? What I'm thinking... A bun- bunch of people have made, have made chess games, but it's not stuck. <laughs> well, you see, what I'm thinking is that you've accidentally already done it for me. Uh-huh. It's just chess... But with the combat and slashing mechanics from Metal Gear Solid Revengeance. <laughs> so you've got a very sharp scalpel. You got either <laughs> that or like the top of the pieces just have knives on them. Mm. Not sure how it would work, but it definitely would. Mm. Okay, I'm gonna I, I'm, I'm gonna put forward an idea. I think I'm, I'm, right. I want to see what see what we've got. National treasure to get that gold. Nicholas Cage. So this is fans writes in by the way. Sorry. National treasure. To get that gold, Nicolas Cage must find the maps hidden on the bodies of UK national treasures. I like. I like that it's the bodies. There's a lot. Well, I, I, yeah, like not, not like not like in the in the home of. Yes, but also it's not like on a national treasure, like no, the crown on jewels. The flesh. Yeah, but yes, tattooed into. I reckon there's enough room on Stephen Fry to sort out a solid three Dan Brown novels. <laughs> You've got a lot of room to manoeuvre on. Get Steve like five over. ambigrams, a map, <laughs> a scarily accurate reproduction of a Leonardo da Vinci painting, <laughs> a perfect rendition of Helen Mirren's face, a replacement Audrey tattoo. Ta- ta- oh, we're getting tattoo. Yeah, yeah, that's that's um, not bad. Well, I'm trying to think of, of other. Who else have we got? Who's a national treasure? Because I mean, you're not. I don't really like Stephen Fry much anymore. No, that's fair. He's um, he's fallen. Mm-hmm. Who, um, who else have we got? Who's a national treasure? Sandy Totsberg is American. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do we do we have national treasures anymore? Mary Berry. Who's that? Which one's that? The name rings a bell. Bake off. Bake off. Yes. Yeah, she's the, she's she's the country's foremost baker. Okay. And unlike Delia Smith, she hasn't fallen. <laughs> she hasn't resorted to telling us about eggs again. <sighs> 
Mary Berry has... Maybe, maybe I just wanted to tell a Stephen Fry joke. Possibly. Because like, you'd have to break into the house then look at their naked bodies. Yeah, that's that's kind of creepy. And your Nicolas Cage. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, if you were playing Sandy Totsvig, that wouldn't feel quite so... Like, she'd, be, she'd be quite apologetic about the whole thing. I'm sorry. You know, like, I, 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 I don't believe there's any malice... On Sandy Totsford, there's almost something medical about the whole affair. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's what uh, Cage does as a ruse. Like he becomes he becomes skin doctor to the stars, mm-hmm. um, and he gets invited to all these fancy parties and red carpet events, and then just sort of whilst on the red carpet, just goes past Dame Judy the Dench, one. yes, and just goes, yes, oh, there we go. Is that a new mole? You should pop it and see me on Monday. And then on Monday, he does a full examination and copies the map. Ah, of course, Judy doesn't know there's a full map on her because it's like it's, it's on that bit of her back she can't it's see. It's on the back, yeah. Like, you yeah. can't see that. Who knows? It's on her bum. Why would Judy Dench look at her own bum? <laughs> what are you accusing Some Dave really Judy candid Dench of doing? Like, like, I can imagine Helen Merrin looking at her own bum, but not Judy Absolutely, Dench. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Helen Merrin does that for most of the day, I, I presume. <laughs> Helen Merrin has, like, an enormous album of Polaroids. <laughs> Just wearing different hats. Just to check if there's been any change. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, Will has done a follow-up to this, mm-hmm. which is National Trust. To get the gold, Nicolas Cage must visit a so-so stately home, well-maintained garden, and an expensive gift shop. Okay. I quite like the idea of forcing Nicolas Cage, not Nicolas Cage acting, but just like a documentary thing. Mm-hmm. Of making Nicolas Cage go to stately homes and comment on them. Because for some reason, I cannot imagine him ever doing that. And, and I just see him just hating it. And he has to buy something from he's, the gift shop. Not just anything. He's obliged. Yeah. But like he has to buy something that is a, a worthy gift for a specific mm. individual each episode. Mm. And so he's, oh. just, he's just spent oh, like, like four grand on an eraser. So like there's a, there's, so there's a special guest who he has to impress every, every episode. Yeah. Both it with his the... knowledge of the stately home, which he knows nothing about before, mm-hmm. and with a specific and thoughtful gift. I like the idea of him being contractually obliged to film a like a Sunday afternoon country file of a show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it's two hours and long. It's played complete. Oh, I don't think I could. I could last two hours. No, neither can Nicholas Cage. I just. I love the idea of him playing it, like trying so hard to play it straight. <laughs> Just doing everything he can, because he, he, he was trying. Like he was, he was carrying so much cocaine. <laughs> He's in so much trouble. Oh yes, so much financial trouble. Now, crucially, mm-hmm. this isn't even a video game. No, this, it's is, not really. uh, this, this is a TV series. It, but we it can is, make however, it a game. funny. Yes, we can make it a game. Okay. Here's how. We get National Trust backing. Oh, sponsorship deal. No one's going to National Trust House anymore. No one gives a shit. They're all the same. There's a house. It's big. You're allowed in some parts, but not all of it. There's a tree outdoors, maybe a short ramble. No one cares, National Trust. We've all seen a hedge. Oh, we can get an overpriced scone, can whatever. Now, we need to make it sexy. We'd get some Hollywood action in there. Who's Mr. Hollywood? <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Who is the absolute definition of Hollywood? <laughs> Who is the absolute definition of the roiling cesspit that is LA? <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Like, he's not far off that. Well, he's not currently. He's not hot now. No, but 
that's the that's part of it, mm. right? Like it's that sudden shot to greatness, the mm. crash to nothing, the clawing himself back up doing bad films, and then getting loved for doing bad films. Mm. That's pretty yeah. Hollywood. That is very Hollywood, yeah. So he's Mr. Hollywood, and he's here a bit like those weird um, Birmingham adverts from the seventies where Telly Savalas rocked <laughs> up. He's like Birmingham, my kind of city. So sorry, my kind of place. And he's wandering around in this fucking Kojak coat with his lollipop. You you have him endorsing these things, but he has to do some thefts. <laughs> is this is this endorsed by the National Trust? Here's the thing. It comes it comes uh, it it has both the warning from um every wrestling game and every Assassin's Creed game. So one, this game was produced by a team of, of a wide range of ethnicities, uh, sexualities and gender identities. And two, do not try this at home, or indeed do not try this at stately home. <laughs> do not try this at the Duchess of Kent's home. Do not try this at, at Brackets Stately and Brackets Home is probably quite a good name for the game. Yes, I think it is actually. I think I think that's a very strong name for it. So it's it's acknowledged as a fiction, but the National Trust we get the money in there, and what we're doing is we're showing how beautiful these uh, these places are, mm-hmm. how uh, like like how, all all the interesting history going on. Uh, it's kind of it sounds like Assassin's Creed One, you sure. know, like like where you're exploring Acre and you're climbing over the, you know, the domes of the, of the cathedrals and what have you. Um, and your Nicholas Cage, I figure. You know what? Actually, yeah, fuck it. It's it, it's basically Assassin's Creed, except you're playing a what? He's what is he? Is he fifty five now? Nicholas Cage? Is it his mid fifties? Yeah, something like that. Although you, you say Assassin's Creed, I'm I'm imagining a halfway house between Assassin's Creed and Hitman. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, it's, all, the, it's all indoors. Yeah, yeah, but for like the level of interactivity that Hitman has, mm-hmm. and the level of climbing, and the level of climbing and beautiful vistas. Um, that Assassin's Creed has, but the the beautiful vistas are just you know an eight foot portrait gallery. Yeah, and like you can look out the window and stuff, and it's nice out there. Oh yeah, I guess but, you can go outside sometimes because there will be hedge mazes. Yeah, there's hedge mazes. There's again, there's there's, there's copses. Or if you're in Sussex, herb gardens. They, they were nice. really big on their herb gardens. That's uh, that's that, that that's a common place where, where these mysteries are hidden. Mm. And so 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 each each of these levels is a puzzle, a bit like Hitman. It's you're not killing people. You're uh, you're extracting p- fragments of the um of of this treasure map, and you go through the game. I'm just gonna just search National Trust property, see what the most impressive one is. Uh, can you just search National Trust properties ranked? National Trust properties ranked. Number one, the moon. Whoa, I did uh, not know they owned that already. Apparently, it's Quarry Bank Mill, which is um, in Wilmslow. It was recommended by Alan Titchmarsh. Oh well, Na- National Treasure, Alan Titchmarsh. It's a working mill. Oh yeah, that's that's lovely. It's a working mill owned in um and by the National Trust, and that's that, that's where the end of the game takes place. <laughs> when when you, you have to defeat Alan Titchmarsh. Fuck, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> and his builder friend. I'm going to the Telegraph for the first time in my life. <laughs> Alan Titchmarsh, John Culshaw. That's it. Uh, Oz Clark. He Oz did. Clark. He did the wine. He did, he's the wine guy. Oh yes. He's the uh, Oz this, is, this is getting very lost on all six of our American listeners. Oh whatever. <laughs> Lindisfarne. Fuck yeah. Lindisfarne Castle. Oh, that, right. That's okay. Cool as that's hell. What, yeah. Now yeah. this has just gone into high gear. 
Fuck you, Titch Marsh. Right, Nicolas Cage is Hitman style, Assassin's Creed style, sneaking around individual stately homes, all beautifully reproduced. You have a Danny Wallace style character in your ear going, mm, I don't like you much, but here's some history facts. And I'm you going learn to be snarky and annoying and relentlessly in your ear. I would like a sassy Bronx sidekick. Uh, for Nicholas K, who don't care about this fucking history, Nicholas, and he's like, "Oh my god, we got." We, I, I, I don't know what he sounds like. Is that? Is, was it that? Yes, it's, that's exactly what he sounds like. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, Nicholas Cage has been punched in the that's mouth. That's both Nicholas Cage and Alan Titchmarsh's voice. Mm. Uh, with a little bit of Owen Wilson in here. <laughs> <laughs> right already. Exit hey. stage hey. left. <laughs> Centering a sort of insipid is, morass. Is Nicholas Cage Snagglepuss? You never see him in the same room, do you? No. Okay, don't. so you're, you're you're finding these fragments of these treasures, which lead, and you you you've got that you've got that sort of hitman style overarching mystery. You've got the Assassin's Creed Assassin's Creed Two. We have to find the truth until you find the secret, the National Trust, mm-hmm. which is interestingly enough, it's a National Trust fund which you're going to rob. Oh, that's good. To give to the National Trust's kid when they come of age? Uh, no, it was it was from a queen, not okay, the okay. queen, a queen. Yep. And it's a National Trust fund to keep Britain ticking over. Except those horrible Tories are spending it all on swan burgers <laughs> or whatever. Or I, I don't know, like some s- s- a Tory joke. They <laughs> spend it on those, but it's, it's been a long week. They spend it on those. And you're you're going to liberate that and spend it on cool American things like cocaine and hot dogs, and flights back to America. Flights back to America. But yeah, you are uh, you are here to find the secret of the National Trust. Uh, again, you know what? The more we do this, the less we're going to get National Trust funding. So we probably need to get funding from whoever's opposed to the National Trust. Or we get the trust funding early, get it on, just don't, get it on the just, internet, and then they can't stop them. it. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Can't stop the signal. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the idea of a Hitman-style game where you can run up the wall and hang off a chandelier. <laughs> that would be pretty good. And and you're a tired-looking Nicholas Cage oh, in so a leather tired. jacket. So tired. Hey, Nicholas, get down from there! And Shut the, up, Brand Sidekick. The best part is that, like, to make the real moolah, mm-hmm. we can release some DLC two months after release. Mm-hmm. Swaps out Nicholas Cage, mm-hmm. puts in Keanu Reeves. Solid. Everyone likes Keanu Reeves. Everyone likes Keanu Reeves, right? Everyone loves him. Is in is mm-hmm. in Cyberpunk twenty eleven forty two, whatever that game is. Mm-hmm. Um, he, gamers love him at the moment. Plus, yeah. I think Keanu Reeves would be genuinely interested in reading the little signs next to the pictures. You know what? I bet he would. Right. So he, you play this. You can play this like John Wick style and do it fast and like roll through things. Or the Keanu Reeves DLC allows you to just really take your time and enjoy the history. You have a Keanu Reeves meter, <laughs> and you ha- and like and like every time you don't look at a plaque, he gets more and more upset. Grant, you have two yes. meters: Keanu and Reeves. Ah, I see. And Reeves is the murder meter. Yeah. Right. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, like just just in terms of DLC, you can just program in every National Trust property. And and anybody oh, from that sort of section of movies, mm-hmm. like you could do a Liam Jackie Neeson. Chan one, Liam Neeson, the sort of act- Charlize Theron apparently, sure, action adjacent, mm-hmm. Thomas Cruise, <laughs> plus plus he's cheaper because you only you need like a shorter character model. Yeah, yeah, they're easier All to that- code. Well, 
Like, interestingly, he can't be in games. Do you know this? Can he not? He it is contractual. It is it is a thing. Nick um, Tom Cruise has barred his 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 image from being in any video game. So if you, if you look back at any of the Mission Impossible or Minority Report games they released, none of those are him. Okay. He's mental, isn't he? Well, he believes the aliens did it. Yes. But, yeah. I mean, quite aside from his bizarre religious and worldviews, mm. he's mental. Yeah, broadly, yeah. Okay. I quite, I'm, not, I'm not against Thomas Cruise. It's no, quite, honestly, he's it's, it's quite a good little actor, and he does like running away from helicopters on camera. And like, who wouldn't? Like, vote on the side of votes for Thomas Thomas Cruise. He did Vanilla Sky. Mm-hmm. Huge points there from me. Okay. Um, he's bonkers enough to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. And also, you can make fun of him. You can make fun of him. You can just you? straight make fun of Tom Cruise. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You you've got the short jokes. Mm-hmm. You've got you've obviously got the the weird jokes, the alien. Spacecraft, mm-hmm. ten levels, whatever it is, going mm. on, and he's he's just mental enough that it's fine to make to make. I'm sorry, I'm I'm, I'm painting mental as the wrong word here, but he's mm. weird. Ironically enough, for someone who's five for nothing, he's quite easy target to punch up and hit. Yeah, yeah. works. But we Good. have to we have to pick up we have to pick our favourite here, Grant, and I already know what it is. Well, what was the first one? I don't know. You said it. Yeah, it, uh, oh, the, ha- the ham one. Oh yeah, uh, ham that, one. That feels like it feels like more a novelty game. It Although does. It'd be, it'd be nice to have Dana Radcliffe in a game, but um, I think it's going to be. It's got to be National Trust, doesn't it? No, incorrect. Oh. It's Vaporglaive. I don't think we really got anywhere with that. Is it? Is, is it the chess variant where you like where you, where you throw a Beyblade hard at your opponent's face? No, it's the it's the Light Walls fighting game. The Light Wall. Okay, so so it's, it's Tron. It's Tron but, with pole but arms with in an 80s pole. neon dungeon. Think of the soundtrack. It's going to make Hotline Miami look like shit. Yeah, it's going to make hot one. It's going to make hot, like Hot Miami look like a Jack in the Box. Right. Yeah. All right then. Okay. Listen. Give me. I, I, I need. I need something. I need because at the moment it, it it feels a lot like Ruiner, but with um, but with with walls that you build. So, if anything, it's going to be tricky to to make it exciting and dynamic because there's a wall. I think in the it's way. maybe that once again I'm thinking of this as a tabletop game and you're thinking of this as a video game. Okay, so tabletop game. I'm thinking ske- it's about like the different the out. different classes, which are defined by the weapon, not the course, person, yes. mm-hmm. have different templates they can lay mm-hmm. to create the walls. And it's about working in concert with your three other polearm users. Mm. And like it's kind of uh, to use a video game reference here, it's kind of Titan Souls, where it's there's like ten bosses in the game, and that's it. Like it's oh, just like, a um, boss fight game. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. Right. Okay. And it's about trying to. It's like it's a. It's a board RPG puzzle game. Put cards in it. Okay. There's cards so in like, it. I'm sorry. So just fuck you. <laughs> so like, uh, do, you, do you remember like the um, the raid decks in the in the in the World of Warcraft? Oh fuck me. Those were game. good. And so like you and so like you'd have a GM play a dragon and its hordes, and then everyone else would team up and try and defeat the dragon. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, but like that, each but of, with a battle map. Each of the cards is just like. Is, is a two-part piece. No, bear with me here. So Tear in half. No, so the, the back, so the back of the card, like the standard back of a playing card, is just a nice mm-hmm. design, game name, okay. saying whatever. Mm-hmm. But the front of the card is is which is stuck to it by static. Is like an acetate. <laughs> so you slide it off so that you, when you're holding them, the other players can't see them, and you slide that off, and that's the card you play, and that's the layout of the weapon slash mark. Okay. That's quite interesting, and I think 
what I'd like to do is you've got is you're you're building these uh, like these these walls. Mm. But I think having a, a a form of momentum would be cool in the in the like uh, like like ship battles. If I want to turn, I have to plan like like about five minutes in advance. Yeah, well, what I'm what I'm thinking is that not only in your hand you have obviously the the, the slash patterns, right? But you also have cards that are the movement pattern, right? Okay. So, in, um, just just as a sort of shape explanation, imagine that you've got a movement that that looks like a five, so it's an S shape right, movement, yeah. and you mm-hmm. cannot not move that full movement. Mm. You have you have to move and attack each turn, both for players and 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 the monster. Mobs. Yeah, but you can only use the patterns that you've currently got, and you've got that's, cards that let you draw more cards, discard cards, do some stuff. You know that sort of meta game interaction cards. Mm. But you have to move and you have to attack, and that means mm. that you've got to try and go. Okay, so if I do this one, that'll put me in one place. Oh, but that might screw me for two turns. Mm. I really, I really like the idea of being able to like slash your glaive and uh, and like like juke to the side, and then the. The um, razor blade scum dog who's coming down the the corridor towards you is like, Ooh! and then the the light thing shwing, appears in midair and cuts him in half mm. as he as he's running towards you. So it's about setting up these traps. It's about and like and like balancing offense and defense, and like and you have to be in certain places on the board as well. Somebody's using a very light polearm weapon that's very movement oriented. It might have moves Stick. and slashes on the same card mm. and things like that. Damage, but yeah. I actually want to play that. It sounds quite interesting. It sounds like there's a lot of playtesting involved, but I'm yes. interested. I'm interested in the idea of of, of like of, of building this, of building effectively a, a competitive trap setting game. Yeah, I mean, so which also has swords in. <laughs> yes, sorry, globes. Like if qu- quick and easy game is your national treasures, national trusts, right? But the long term high payoff mm. game is vapor globe. Mm. I think here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we could have tournaments at cons. Oh, vapor globe Co- league. Cosplayers, oh, so iconics. Yeah, I want more people to wear neon. Is this how I get it done? This is Grant, mm. and imagine mm. that when this gets big, it replaces the lightsaber as the thing to carry at conventions. It's about fucking time, right? Like, oh, I've got a lightsaber. It looks ninety nine percent because of most of its blade the same as everybody else's lightsaber. Yeah. And there's a little bit of customization in the end. They tried to change the blade and everyone laughed at them. Yeah. Versus the pole arm where you've got eight feet of pole and blade. Mm-hmm. Customization options are good. Lots of room for accessories. You get those cool sort of Japanese phone charms. Yes. Yeah, you get a dangler yeah. that looks like a criminal panda. Mm-hmm. Chains. <laughs> yeah. Chains are good. Oh, so much money to be made, Grant. Mm, mm, okay, okay. Um, I also think that the uh, the class should be named after the weapon, and the the iconic should be also be named after the weapon. Absolutely. So you've got like Bill, and Bill carries a Bill Beck to Guizam. And Beck Corbin. Mm-hmm. Becca Corbin. Yeah, that's just quite good. <laughs> you know what? Calling someone Becca Corbin and putting her in a, in a game called um, Vapor Glaive, I can already imagine her haircut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. How much of an undercut does it have? It's all undercut. It's all undercut. <laughs> <laughs> There's barely any hair on top. She looks like a parsnip. <laughs> it's just a top knot and it's green. Thank you for listening to Hearty Dice Friends. This week's uh, game is Vaporglaive, uh, a game which I think Chris is probably a bit sad doesn't exist. <laughs> I'm really angry. 
not sad. Not like some angry. weeks where we just sort of like kind of like phone it in. I think there's something. I think there's something genuinely cool here. Mm. Um, I think you're right that it might work better as a as a computer game, but I really like the sort of turn by turn overview, quite thoughtful process. Yeah, of, it'll slow like, it down. Like, four of you attacking a big AI or something. Yeah, and it it will make it less visually stunning. But mm. I think I think it would make for a better game. Mm. I think you have also got something fun there in terms of like like playing Corp or Runner mm, in, yeah, this, in Netrunner. So you've got different things on different sides. You'd play an AI, or you'd play a team of four um, hackers. Yeah, and you'd make you'd, you'd make your decks specifically. So you'd you'd have to go to a tournament with an AI and a and a party deck. Yeah, yeah. or Ooh. or, or no, it'd be four players. Yeah, but, everyone everyone oh, yeah. teams up. Yes, yes, I see. Yeah, everyone teams up. So you've got, and that that would be a really cool sort of sort of vibe going on there. I'd like that. Um, that's the game. Fortunately, it doesn't exist and probably won't. But um. Just, just think about it, you know? Wouldn't just it be good? Consider. Just consider that. We love you in a cool, non-threatening way. If you love us in a mon- monetary way, you can go to patreon.com forward slash friends, give us some cash, and come and hang out in the Discord. It's nice there at present. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's always nice there. It is. But it's nice there at present. Um, if you have any questions, please, for the love of Jesus, send them in. Oh, God, yes. We need those and lovely game concepts. Even if, even if, if you're if you're not a listener, sorry, if you're not a listener, you won't hear this. If you're not on the Discord, <laughs> you can always message us on uh, on Twitter or have you. you can find us. We're not that hard to find. Chris is hard to find. I'm not. Mm. Um, and just let us know if you got any good concepts for games because maybe it could be one as delicious as National Trust, a game which I was robbed, <laughs> a, a game which I was robbed of when Christopher put forward the honestly brilliant Vaporglove. I, yeah, I, well, I, I, sorry, when JP. JP, yes, when when I posited JP's idea, but yeah, all I, all, all we did, all you did, was offer it up with both hands and wide eyes. Mm-hmm. Please, sir, please, can I have, can I have some glove? We love you, and we'll see you next week. Bye, bye. bye.